1: Hello Achievers and welcome to episode 54 of the Next Level Authors podcast, a podcast where we hold each other to account and track our step-by-step progress as we level up our author business. My name is Daniel Wilcox and here with me every week is...
0: Sasha Black.
1: Sasha, how the devil are you?
0: Um, right. Well, <laughs> honestly, start. I have been better. Um, What I hate doing is being really negative, um, but also... But you do it so well. because the thing is i'm like i'm i'm like a mealyrist and i am super like my anyway i'm not why am i justifying myself to you listen so um i've i've had a a rough week number one i felt really low for a lot of this week um and i don't like feeling like that and i it was what's the word It was one of those low like often when i feel low there's an identifiable reason like i'm like oh i'm frustrated about this or like this has made me feel really fed up but this week i just felt low i just felt broken by the grind i felt like i wasn't doing enough i wasn't far enough through my goals like uh, there were what's the point You know, I just felt like there was no point in anything. And so that was really tough. Um, And in a weird way, being in pain physically has distracted me from that feeling. Ah. So now I'm in pain physically. So cool story, not a cool story, um, but you're all gonna have to sit and listen to it. Um, (laughs) I went to Taekwondo last Saturday and it is now Friday. So almost a week ago and it was the first in-person Taekwondo lesson in a year. And I just went for it because I don't have any other settings other than like burn, explode and like lying prone. That's it. And um, it was fine. The whole lesson was fine. I felt like a fucking run over motherfucker the next day. Um, But on the way home, we pulled up at a T-junction and I looked left. And in looking left, I popped something in my neck. And uh my neck has gotten progressively worse to the point where yesterday I seized entirely. So I have lost most of my rotation. I can rotate like a little bit, but that's like you know, that that even that starts to hurt now. So <clears throat> yeah, anyway, I'm in a lot of pain.
1: <laughs> if there are any strange noises during this episode, it's Sasha just in
0: Yelp agony. Pain. Yeah, pretty much. So yeah, I've got another chiropractic appointment. I did get it for uh, for Thursday and then I've rebooked it for Tuesday and I've got like, uh, I'm just waiting for the doctors to tell me my drugs are ready so I can go and pop loads of drugs and then lie prone all weekend. So yeah, I mean, like I'm brighter now, which is really weird because like I'm in pain. But there we go. How are you, darling?
1: Well, first, I think we should address the fact that you should be really proud of me for not interrupting what you were saying with a ridiculous joke but definitely permeated in my head that i just let go um are
0: you gonna tell everyone oh, well, since you asked a... <laughs> i uh it's so funny
1: so your, so your week was basically jason derulo you were just riding so low
0: oh god
1: that was painful even for me but i don't even care um how am i i'm i'm yeah Uh uh-huh yeah
0: bitch please you finished a fucking book today so now what what do you get hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on on, on.
1: that will come one step at a time yeah so this week has been five types of tough um like it's it's just been hard like i realized that there was a tiny bit of mismanagement in terms of like me hitting a deadline again um i really really was trying to drive towards spending next week uh with my son and just taking a week off and a few days ago that seemed absolutely impossible based off the amount of work that i had to do still how tired i was how burned out um i listened to an episode of an, a podcast i've not listened to before with uh, a guy called brett bartholomew called the art of coaching because he had an episode specifically about burnout and he said so many things in there that just resonated with me like particularly the Parts of burnout that I hadn't even realized were like a thing in terms of delayed memory recall. Like, I've been struggling with like recalling names or film titles or things over the last couple of weeks just because I've been hitting it so hard.
0: I'd just like to say that you struggle to recall names always. No, but like things that I'm normally much much better
1: at. Things that I'm normally (laughs) much better at and then there's obviously like tiredness there's no um like real recovery in sleep like my sleep's been atrocious for the past sort of like 10 days just in terms of Mm. either really really vivid dreams not necessarily nightmares but just really vivid dreams or interruptions or waking up I always
0: um, know when you're not sleeping well because I get texts like past ten PM, which normally like <laughs> I do, like I won't normally get texts from you after ten PM. Yeah. So when I get a text at like eleven, I'm like, uh oh, bitch, I ain't sleeping. And I can't <laughs> like, even remember if it was
1: this week or not. just what I'm saying about memory recall. But there was a night where I woke up at um like three in the morning and then couldn't get back to sleep. So I just sat there for half an hour and then just got up and worked because I feel it like, like that
0: might have been Monday.
1: Was that this week?
0: I feel like it might have been
1: I'm yeah not sure. i mean it sounds about right but it's, so yeah it's been it's been a lot but obviously like you say um, the good news is that yesterday i smashed out like one of my highest ever well my highest ever um, words in a day which was fifteen thousand two hundred thirty words um yesterday
0: absolutely obscene
1: managed to actually finish the book this morning so i was really sort of worrying about having to navigate that book while looking after bailey next week and that's done and i don't think yet yeah, i've had the time there's another airplane going by why is it waste during this podcast well we do do this at regular time so it must be like a uh, um, scheduled
0: flight mm-hmm. they do mm,
1: that apparently so oh, arsehole but it's <laughs> so unnecessary um
0: listen banter is always necessary
1: <laughs> but yeah so it's not really fully sunk in yet i've still got like a couple of bits to wrap up on i'm picking up bailey in about an hour or so um but yeah, so it's been a bit of a journey, um, which kind of links a little bit into my thing that I've enjoyed this week, which is I I know I know when I'm overwhelmed with work because the basic things start slipping, like easy things. And I was getting really good at sort of posting on social media regularly in terms of like sort of keeping up with client work and, and bits and pieces. And a lot of that was just like really slipping and I could feel it. And I hadn't put anything on, I, I mean, obviously it doesn't, it's not as huge as it sounds, but I hadn't put anything on social media in like a week. So I was like, I was feeling a bit crappy i was like i just i rather than just posting like the positivity stuff like the, the quotes that i normally do i was like i'm just going to put something like real in terms of like where i am because i've stressed it loads and loads of times before but like i really i really admire transparency within this process like it's not mm-hmm. always easy it's not always like the dream that you hope it's going to be
0: like i feel guilty for being transparent sometimes why because i feel like i should only put out Like positivity and motivation like motivation is one of my core Mm. values to motivate other people and i feel like by sometimes being honest that might be demotivating for other people and i don't want to do that to other people so sometimes i feel like i can't share things like i tried to do an update in the car yesterday Uh, my son had an appointment and I was let's in establish car because... you weren't
1: driving at the
0: time <laughs> no no i was in a car park and um they were you were only allowed one parent in in the appointment because it was a medical appointment and covid the world is burning and i had done the hospital trip that meant we cancelled our show and so i was like oh you you take him in for this appointment Um, And so I was just trying to give an update in the car and I just couldn't do it. I re-recorded it five times before just deleting it because it felt, I don't know. I just felt like I couldn't, I don't know. I don't know, but I feel like I can't find words.
1: (laughs) No, I kind of, I I get what you mean. Like it's, motivation is hard to come by and when people are on a roll, you really want to keep them going. I think, Exactly. I think, there is also value, though, in sharing those real moments because it motivates the people who think that other people have it together 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. And there are people out there who benefit from seeing the real and thinking, oh, okay, this person who is up on this pedestal in some way is, you know, still goes through the struggles that everyday people do. And I think, like, highlighting just the reality of what this, what this job is because, like, We might come across as consistent with us delivering this show and us being on time apart from obviously like um the odd occasion but like this this job's anything but consistent like Mm -hmm. it's just not like i'm not a person who every day will consistently get the same word count like there's too much going on um and i think that the thing that surprised me was i put up i put up the picture i put up like just a thing basically saying like this week is really freaking hard like i know that it's not gonna last forever like i know i'm not like at the point where i'm self-pitying and it's you know gonna be like this forever but it's hard and this is where i'm at and this is the reason i haven't posted blah blah blah, blah. and i i had just like a number of comments from people like i was really really surprised by how many people actually interacted with that post either just say like you know say that they were there if i needed someone um but also the people that were like i needed to to see this because i'm going through something similar too, or like like we just said like it's it's um, emboldening, seeing people go through that part of the journey, even when like they seem like they've got it your shit most of the times. The time. Yeah, else is
0: basically loving your shit times. Yeah,
1: and I'm I'm absolutely happy. I'm I'm absolutely fine with that. Like, if it if it liberates people, if it like gives people an opportunity to go or gives themselves an excuse to go, okay, I'm going to give myself a break for 24 hours, then do it. Like, take take whatever you need for whatever it is you're doing. But yeah, that's that's the thing that I've enjoyed this week. Was that out of a moment that was um, shit, shit, like came a lot of wonderful stuff and then from there obviously something in that helped me expel those demons and then smashed out a shitload of words and finished the book like a week before I actually needed to so happy days but I I am aware that I look very very tired because I am but I'm happy that I got it done I just need a bit of time to like soak in and just realize like I can now take a week off what's something you've enjoyed this week
0: okay so the thing Uh, That I have enjoyed comes with a few warnings like um, trigger warnings although when I because I was afraid to recommend this because when something has lots of trigger warnings I always want to make sure that I get capture all of the trigger warnings Um, but this book doesn't actually have any on the page which is unusual given the content so the book is called The Liar's Daughter by Megan Cooley Peterson and I read it in one day like literally one not quite one sitting, but more or less. Um, and it's about a girl. The the, the thing he says, Piper was raised in a cult. She just doesn't know it. So I would say trigger warnings are like if you've ever had any sort of experiences that have impacted you regarding living in a cult, um, abuse, mental health. Um, And it was gripping and harrowing and disturbing. And from a psychological perspective, I was fascinated by it. And the author has uh, not, this isn't like a fictional memoir, but the author definitely has experience because it says it like in the author's note at the back. And I found it fascinating and I couldn't put it down because it was just so shocking and yeah anyway so i loved it and i really recommend it and then on the back of it um i've ended up finding another book or another ya book because this is ya uh about somebody who was part of a cult uh that was an award-winning book so i've now ordered that because obviously I that. but um, yeah so i'm looking forward to reading that one as well i don't know why because i'm not like planning on writing a book about a cult or anything it's just you know it's like sometimes you have these rabbit warrens and you dive Mm. down into them and yeah. It's fascinating.
1: It's really interesting just to like to the whole mindset associated with it all. And what I like about that book is, <laughs> this is sad, but like the stark contrast between the spine and the front cover. Mm. Mm. That like, for people listening, so the spine for, yeah. is like a bright yellow and then the front sort of like a really dark black with uh, a woman on the front.
0: Yeah, with her face burned out. Aww. She doesn't remember who she is.
1: There you go. Weekly Confessional. Mm. Dan will write 20,000 words, tw- reads 20 stories for his uh, anthology and uh, edit 20 pages of when winter comes and i just about clawed my way through that having like literally just before we got to recording finished the last of reading those stories it was it was a tough one and i'm definitely going to reevaluate how i pick my to-dos for the following week um <laughs> because that was real squeaky bum time so
0: squeaky <laughs> bum squeaky bum time, squeaky
1: bum time. <laughs> Just like, eh, oh shit. Uh, Sasha will work on side characters workbook and start editing side characters.
0: I am like 66% of the way through the draft of the workbook, which is awesome. So I smashed that out this week. I mean, I really pushed hard. Um, and unfortunately, because I pushed so hard, I have only edited one section of side characters, but I have edited a section. Um, What was interesting is that I found I wanted to focus on the workbook once I started, Mm. and I really work much better nowadays just working on one thing and smashing it really Uh intensely. So that was a lesson to me. Mm
1: -hmm. Really? You're Mm. just learning this? (laughs) Really?
0: Well, yeah, because I like (laughs) to have lots of things on my plate, so that would...
1: Uh, this is this is really paradoxical because I'm exactly yeah. the same. I yeah. get more done when I focus, but yeah. I, I seem to enjoy having the option yes. of moving between things, which doesn't always benefit me in the long run. Oh, I know,
0: I know, it's so
1: weird. Yeah. Um, in Patreon news, we have a new patron. Mm. Welcome to the madhouse, Stephanie Bond. Thank you for um, showing your support to the show. And so.
0: Stephanie Bond can we just talk about Stephanie Bond for a second because Shoot. if this is the Stephanie Bond that I think it is I believe it is if it is I'm like gonna fangirl because I heard her on Jay and um Rachel's podcast and she's amazing
1: the megastar
0: yeah so um yeah I mean if it's not that Stephanie Bond you're still you're amazing still awesome. to be <laughs> <of Rachel. laughs> but yeah uh so that is awesome if mm. that is the case and yes um,
1: yeah. And Stephanie will get the chance to jump into our Patreon live this coming Monday, the 12th, um, which I guess by the time this <laughs> airs will be yesterday. Um, how does this always happen? We need to like, we need to figure this out. Um, I know, we need to tell everyone the week before. I know. Um, did we? I can't remember. Anyhow,
0: if you are remember, you within
1: the Patreon problems. community, we will have sent you messages. You will have had a reminder. Join us 8pm British Standard Time now that the clocks have caught up and everything should be back to some kind of synchronisation.
0: Isn't it British summertime? Not no, I don't even time. care
1: about time anymore. It just this really pisses me off. Anyhow, British summertime, British Standard Time, British I don't know, I don't care. Time. The, the, the Patreon live, I assume, was fantastic. Of course it was. Awesome. You guys smashed it. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> oh my god, shut up, Dan. Um, but yeah, so...
0: Hashtag <laughs> positivity number four. I, oh, this I is know. the worst episode ever. Like, this the is number the of best times. episode
1: ever. <laughs> this is a great episode. And speaking of amazing things...
0: In like... our level ups
1: this week uh, i'm going to do slightly differently because we do have like sort of like a backlist of things that people have sent over but a few different things have been dropped either number one into the uh, facebook group or number two into like my boot camp and these those people listen to next level because i just want to shout them out Um, but a big shout out number one to kate Holdsworth who dropped oh, yeah. a comment saying that she definitely leveled up tonight, part of a guest panel in front of a live audience.
0: And the she first... looked fabulous, can she I just awesome. say. She did look fabulous.
1: First time out on home turf for my author self, nerve-wracking but strangely fun. So awesome, Kate, well done. Yes. Number two, Brett Jackson, our good friend Brett, who leveled up, did his uh, official registering his author business with a live stream, and also revealed the cover for his book, Twice Upon a Timeline. That's on the Facebook group if people want to go check that out and just say congratulations to Brett and at British Books. And uh, Laura Kendrick, who released her first ever novel last week, Silver Deer, which is, as, as described, a rip roaring, swashbuckling fantasy adventure setting the 1930s and brimming with monsters and mythology. So, Loads of awesome stuff happening and congratulations, everyone. This is really cool to see everyone just making progress with what they're doing. Yeah,
0: it is. Cool. Uh,
1: level up challenge as we'll roll on um, this kind of gravy train. So we <laughs> announced.
0: Still in the intro.
1: Shut your mouth. So, <laughs> 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 you
0: know. for those
1: who haven't seen on our Facebook group last week, we announced uh, this quarter's level up challenge. So uh, we asked people to drop in the comments anything that they're going to pledge to have completed by the end of June. There are four prizes up for grabs, one of which is a 30-minute coaching session with myself. One is a 30-minute consultancy session with Sasha. One is a hardback of the self-publishing blueprint, which will be released in June. And another one is 30 minutes of both myself and Sasha on a call to ask about anything you want to. And I want to do a very, very quick shout out to everyone that's commented so far, which is Faye, Nathan, Maggie, Lynn, Holly, Sam, Jackie, David, Ida, Carey, Laura, Chelsea, Scott, Sarah, Tracy, Victoria, Meg, Kate, Jen, and Ember as well as of course myself and sasha who have pledged to what we're going to complete
0: does everyone realize that if they don't do their challenge they have to record a cinnamon what's the what's the thing it's the cinnamon
1: challenge no no what's
0: the thing that that we do
1: the forfeit
0: forfeit that's the word thanks
1: like (laughs) so yeah you've now pledged it's now official this is on the podcast this is us holding you to account you holding us to account um, absolutely, if we don't reach the things, because I've realised that mine is very ambitious. fuck's sake, Dan. Um, but anyway, so if you don't reach what you said you're going to do by the end of June, uh, you have to send us footage of you completing the cinnamon challenge. And which we is... will
0: do a, a reel of Oh, them. hell yes. Yeah, yes, hopefully
1: will. there won't be that many. No, there's there not going to be any. There's not going to be any.
0: And everybody's going to be disappointed there were no cinnamon challenges. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Um, but that's for people that don't know, where you take a, mal- a teaspoon of just cinnamon powder, try to swallow it, and it's, you know check it out on youtube to, to see what goes on <laughs> uh final section before we go into the actual question is comments from last week and the question was how do you reward it yourself
0: so caitlin duncan said with writing goals i give myself rewards along the way mostly it's at uh, the end of a step like after i finish a draft or finish a developmental edit i'll binge watch a season of a show or watch a movie i've been meaning to on launch day i used to go out and celebrate with a nice meal at a restaurant these little gifts help add motivation to my process victoria lk williams said as ridiculous as it sounds when i finish a book i reward myself with buying a new cover for the next book or since i've been getting ready for the next set of books needless to say i've got to write a lot of books to catch up with my rewards i also indulge in a good bar of chocolate a glass of wine. Carrie said uh, for completing my tasks I get a sticker in my planner because inside I'm still six. Hey, there is nothing wrong with stickers. Oh, I have a cat on my foot. Um, uh, And then I have a few things I want to buy and I'm planning those as rewards when I finish uh, a book outline and draft or for overall word count milestones. I have written almost 100k since the 1st of January. Fuck me. Little upgrades or accessories for my computer or tablet, a date night dress, maybe a new swimsuit for the summer. Edwin said, I have to go with time off as a reward, not just any time off, though, time off where I get to spend, I get to experience a change of scenery. Amen. And visit uh, some location outside of my regular rounds, a weekend at a cabin the, uh, by the lake, that kind of thing. Uh, so tricky to do when it has, it has to be coordinated with my wife's schedule. Uh, the, in the thing category, I'm lower key, a banana split or some other decadent dessert treat.
1: A smaller treat versus a larger treat. Oh.
0: Jen Carter said, this episode just inspired me to implement this. I have a slightly unhealthy obsession with collecting tarot card decks and I've decided to use purchasing new decks as my reward for hitting my writing goals to keep me on track. That is awesome.
1: I feel like I didn't reply to those, but I also feel like I did.
0: So I didn't reply (laughs) either. And I feel like we talk about the comments here so we are acknowledging the comments oh, and absolutely. sometimes
1: we're not going to reply. We're works okay. in progress. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll get there, we promise. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, this week's question. So I, I, I said to you before we started recording, like there were a, a bunch of dir- directions that I felt like I could go in yeah. based off of like just our weeks in general. But actually what I'm going to go with is a question that's more around um, an area that I think you'll like, which is craft. Because I've been asked this question multiple times um, by different people at different stages of their writing career and I never quite know how to answer it and I've kind of started formulating my, my process on this but I was wondering how do you self-edit or how do you learn to self-edit?
0: <clears throat> oh, that's a different question. How, how do you, do you self-edit edit? or h- how do you learn to self-edit? Okay. That is hard Mm -hmm. to answer. So I think I'm going to sound really pretentious, but I think some of it comes down to intentional practice. Um, I have been talking about this for a while, but I think that we have to stop reading purely for escapism, and we can still do that sometimes, but we have to intentionally make time to read intentionally sometimes. And the act of intentionally reading teaches you about story structure, it teaches you about characterization, about depth, about prose, because you can intentionally look for good examples of those things in your books and then you can deconstruct them or however you personally learn best. Maybe you just need to think about what the person's done, whatever. I'm not prescribing one way to do this. What I am prescribing is intentional thought and time put into improving your craft. And I think the thing with editing is that it is the the consequence of the learning. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. So if you are an editor maybe it's slightly different but I do strongly feel like you can't be good at editing until you improve your craft because how do you know the things that you need to change unless you are intentionally trying to improve your craft? So with that comes all of the usual things like are you reading craft books for example you know ones on editing there's self-editing for fiction authors by renee brown and i want to say dave king um there's the anatomy of prose that's gonna help you
1: oh that's fantastic i've heard
0: (laughs) um true (laughs) there's oh thank you um the artful edit which is by Susan Bell and On Editing, which is another one by, can't read the names, Helen. Helen something, Mm -hmm. whatever. I'll find it later. Um, And so you can read books specifically about editing, but I think it's one of these holistic things because in order to edit well, you have to be able to problem spot, which means you have to be able to get space objectivity And be able to see the problems and unless you have taught yourself what the problems are you can't spot them you're just going to fanny around with like full stops and commas and changing words so i just like i think it's a process of learning craft generally and it's at different levels you have you have to learn story craft story structure you have to learn about characterization and you have to learn about the sentence level stuff i mean if you like should i give tips i don't know do you want tips
1: like yeah. or i don't
0: know how to answer this question well, hey, really, how hey, do you learn...
1: ask a question like because yeah how did how did you learn to self-edit because you went into like a whole developmental editing um well and I've been on the other side of that and you're you're good at what you do so what did that look like when you first started because obviously not everyone goes straight to that page went on your own work and knows where to go with with editing.
0: so I rewrote my first book three times from scratch
1: 17 me you wrote your books yep
0: (laughs) so you put the whole manuscript in the bin and started again
1: I put them side by side and then I literally like rewrote the entire thing while I was reading the first one
0: Oh no, I put mine in the bin and started with a blank page.
1: Mm, okay.
0: Yeah, so like, and the reason was, I was reading so many craft books and reading intentionally so many books that um, I, by the time I got to the end of the book, there were so many problems, I didn't feel like it was fixable. So I just started again. Um, and then the second time was because I had so much conflicting feedback from beta readers, Um, because I had five beta readers the first time and everything was so conflicting I was like there's clearly so much wrong with this that I just can't resolve it so I just started again and the third time I started was the one that got published but at that point I developed so much so what did I do I um listened to critique and beta readers I listened to a developmental editor um I read, I started at the at the top. So I read a lot of stuff about story structure. And the weird thing about story structure is that even though you've got like the story grid, you've got like K.M. Whalen, you've got um, Libby Hawker with the take off your pants. Everybody has a slightly different, or, or like Dan Wells' seven point plot plan. Everybody has a slightly different slant on story structure. And like in romance, you have to hit certain beats or points in, in story structure and then in horror it's slightly different again and yet all of these things are still story so for me it was about like absorbing all of these different viewpoints and then coming to my own decision about what good story is and spending a lot of time reading and thinking about what i liked and what i didn't like because in some ways i don't think you can edit your own work until you've read enough things that you don't like to realize what you don't like to take that out of your own stories and that's what i had to do like i had to read shit books i had to read shit stories that i didn't enjoy because i needed to know the things that i didn't like and that was a process that helped me to then remove those things from my own work and then You know, it's like, I remember the first time I learned what filtering was. I didn't know what filtering was before I knew what filtering was. And so, you know, that was by, through a paid critique, somebody taught me what that was. And then, so yeah, like I suppose for me, I learned. And then in terms of like the actual process of editing, it was through lots of painful trial and error. So like the first time I tried editing, I tried editing everything in one go. So I tried editing story structure as well as sentence level stuff. And I will admit that I do do that now. So I do like one major edit now, but I couldn't do that to start with. I had to start by by going through draft after draft after draft because it wasn't automatic in my brain. You know how like when you learn to drive? Mm at first you're thinking about every single move that you do in the car and then all of a sudden when you've been driving for like 15 years (laughs) you just don't like you just like you you can get from place to be and you don't your brain doesn't think about it these are all automatic reactions and that's what editing is like for me now Mm. um because i've like automated all of these processes so i can do one edit and it's structural it's line it's you know proofing or whatever all, all in one go and um, but when i first started i had to take one thing at a time so i had to take the story structure first have i got all of the beats that i need is the tension and pace correct have i got good endings at each the end of the chapter and then i'd go down and i'd look at characters are my characters okay and then i'd go down and look at the prose like is the prose interesting is the descriptions rich and full of imagery and that kind of stuff i don't really feel like i've answered the question
1: well, I don't, I think this is a point. Like, I don't think there is, like, it's, it's annoying because I've, I've been asked it a few times by quite a number of people over the last few weeks. And it's one of those where it's like, you want to prescribe a method and you want to say like, read this and you're done or like take this course or it's just like, it's just X, Y, Z. But the more I was like thinking about my journey, like I'm very similar to well, what you're saying. And like, I, I see it as stacking blocks. So when you first start to write, you write your story, whichever way you want to, you don't have a voice you, you know emulating different things that you've read from different people it's going to be a bit of a mess and I think what you did actually where you threw it out and then did it again and threw it out and did it again is a great way to evolve and grow because you're getting to the end which number one is incredibly important just to actually be in a position where you can assess your work mm-hmm. but then you've recognized okay like this is a first attempt it's not like maybe not even a draft at that point it's just an attempt and then you go back you take those lessons that you've learned and it's it's stacking blocks when when I first edited um my first finished novella I remember I used to do it before I actually wrote the book anyway was I'd spend 10 15 minutes where I just sit and read someone's work who I was trying to emulate or someone who I admired to get into that mindset to kind of see the voice to see the perspective and then try and translate that into my own books and then when it came to editing I did the same thing where I would read and I was very diligent about only reading the genre that I was writing so that I could like you say, see what works, see what doesn't, find the books that don't work, and then intentionally paying attention to, oh, well, this didn't click with me. Hold on, why not? Like actually asking yourself that question rather than just going, oh, this book's shit and putting it down. Why didn't that work for you? Was it the character? Was it the pacing? Was it the setting? Was it that, you know, everything that had been set up didn't pay off? There's a reason that you as a reader have been turned off of that book. I think a lot of my process was just approaching it from a reader and thinking as I was writing my own books like as a reader how do I feel about this and it's slightly different when you have that emotional connection but then this is another reason why it's really good to take time off between finishing a book and editing it because I mean I'm literally in the throes of it at the minute where i am wrapped up uh, When Winter Comes in November and the serial was published it was experimental it's deliberately meant to be out there fairly raw because that was just a thing I was playing with to see if it worked and now I'm editing the box set. I've you know come back to that story about a week or two ago. And I'm now picking up on so much that I missed, even though I've read through those original stories three times, even though they've been through betas, even though you know there, there was work it's, done to them.
0: It's because you had a really good critique from someone, isn't it? I
1: mean, I mean that was, yeah, joking aside, very, very helpful. <laughs> but I'm coming to it and I'm seeing chapters uh, or paragraphs in which I'm going, yeah, this adds nothing. I'm literally just like slashing them out now because... I liked them before they don't contribute to the story anymore and like because the space is there and i am a bit less familiar with the story i can then recognize those moments as contrite and pointless and then remove them but i think it's the main the main one is intentional learning the main one is looking at other people's work recognizing what you like what you don't like and then just taking it a step at the time like you say there, there are layers of story so Whenever I'm editing now, the first full read-through I do of a thing after it's finished is just for story. I don't care about grammar. I don't care about typos. I don't care about filtering. I don't care about like incorrect use of whatever. It's literally, is this story saying what I want it to? Is it delivering in the way that I want it to? If not, how can I tweak that? Once that's tweaked, I then sort of get more granular on each pass and go down and (laughs) for some reason, I don't know if it's the same view, but nine times out of ten, the last pass I ever do is voice. The last pass I ever do is just ensuring that the character has a consistent voice throughout, because I feel like, in those first passes, they're saying the thing I want them to say, but in the final passes, are they saying it the way they want to say it?
0: Which is interesting, isn't it? Because lots of people recommend doing a dialogue-only first draft, in which that's the first thing that gets sorted, but dialogue is never the first thing that I uh, sort either.
1: No, And this is the point, like, there's so many different ways to do it that this is why we can't prescribe a method. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, there have been a lot of people sort of reaching the end of their first drafts and then going, how do you self edit? And it's, it is a really tough question to ask. And the only thing I can say is persevere and just practice.
0: Well, I think it's really unfair as well because editors only have to be good at one type of editing right they're either a developmental editor or they're a copy editor or they're a proofer and yet as authors we're expected to be able to do some of this for ourselves like at every single level and so i suppose i'm what i'm saying is you have permission to be shit at one of these things at least to start with like focus on story structure first Mm -hmm. and then focus on the copy editing um And the reason I say that is because I don't think you should ever give an editor your work unless you have both done a self-structural edit Mm -hmm. and a copy edit. And the reason for that is that when, even if you are going to a developmental editor, if there are an excessive number of copy type errors, it will prevent the editor from being able to Mm -hmm. have the high level objectivity they need to look at story structure, because they will be in line constantly trying to fix the um, errors. And so you're not going to get the best out of your editor until you've done a bit of copy editing uh, for yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, and I suppose the, the thing, I don't know, like, do you ever look back at your own Work. like I found a copy of my first draft of keepers the other day, yeah and I was like oh yeah, wow atrocious.
1: yeah like sometimes I'm, I'm genuinely tempted to put it up somewhere so people can see where you start from
0: like wow
1: this was part of the reason this was part of the reason as well that when winter comes as I was writing it I was releasing raw chapters to patrons and I actually had a few people following along saying like it was helpful because they got to see what a first draft looked like because we forget when we're reading the book that that's you know that's the finished polished product mm. and there's so many steps in between um yeah I've, I've gone back a couple of times and read really early works and it just it makes me happy because i, I see where i am now
0: yeah shocking also that i thought that was what good writing yeah. was Pretend like because really i down. came to this and i was like yeah i'm gonna write a book yeah and then he's like i know exactly and then you <laughs> write and you're like well, what the fuck is actually this because this is this is this needs to be burnt.
1: <laughs> and I do also want to highlight as well, like one of the big things that you said, feedback, just yeah. no matter whether that's an editor, no matter whether that's ideally not just your next door neighbor or your mum, but like people who are within your genre or, you know, within the business who can give you useful feedback because I understand how precious it is when you've written your first work and the fear that comes with releasing that into the world and being told that you suck. But mm. the reality is it probably does suck. If this is your first rodeo, if it's the first thing you've written, if it's, you know, whatever, just it's probably going to suck. And I think the sooner you can accept that that's just a part of the process and you can yeah. only grow, the better that will be. And yeah. just getting, just yeah, feedback from readers for me is everything because it just means that I'm getting instant. Yeah, well, I'll get, I get instant sort of touch points on what works for them, what they love, what they don't love. And then that informs my writing.
0: Okay, so this is controversial. I don't <gasps> give my book to readers ever. Well, I only give it to writers. Wow. Yeah, I know. I feel really strongly about that as well. Interesting. Yeah. Writers
1: aren't my audience.
0: Um, So when I say a writer, for example, my critique partner is an author in my genre. Mm -hmm. And like my sub-niche genre as well. So they are also a reader in that genre, but they are a writer of that genre. And I will only get feedback from writers who write in that genre because readers don't all okay so let me start with why I have a critique partner in my genre which I love When, when I had five beta readers they did not all write in my genre and I had incredibly conflicting advice and looking back I think it's because they didn't write in my genre so I would have comments about things about the characters that just didn't gel with what I knew about my genre and what my genre wanted. And the only reason I knew that is because I am a prolific reader of my genre. Mm -hmm. And so I have the confidence that I know what the readers want, because I want it. I mean, I literally consume young adult fiction. And so... As a consumer, I am my audience in that respect, which not all authors are all of the time. Some authors write in other genres. And so I think it's much harder for an author in that genre to do that. And that's when reader feedback might be applicable. Now, the reason that I choose a writer over a reader is because they understand story mechanics and story structure. In a different way to a reader so like I want reviews from readers and reader opinions but I don't want a reader to tell me how to write a story because they're a reader okay I want a writer to tell me if I've done something wrong in my book because they understand they understand structure they understand how to write a book they understand like the terms and the terminology. And what I found when I did give readers my book was that it would be comments like, oh yeah, that's really great. Or, oh yeah, I didn't, that didn't really work for me. And without any reasons why. And so I couldn't get the quality of feedback that I needed with the terminology that I needed. And so for me personally, having a writer who writes and reads in the genre is what works best for me. That's not gonna work for everyone. That's cool. Don't hate on me. This uh, is my process, bitches. I think
1: this very much like sums up the difference between us because I I use reader feedback because I I don't want the writerly side of it. I mean, I do because that's you know why you go to editors and I do give my book to horror friends of mine to read to then give feedback as well. But primarily with the reader feedback, what I'm looking for is that emotional visceral response to the story. And what I think you get from readers are. You know, it's, it's a whole different experience, and since like, I'm, a, I'm going to assume that like 90% of my audience aren't writers, um, I, I get people who, if there's something that pulls their head out of the story, it's going to be for a different reason than a writer, because I know as a writer reading someone's story like, what the mechanics are around that, but with readers it's just a slightly different lens.
0: So the interesting thing is the reason I chose my critique partner is because they are exceptionally talented with creating emotion in I think story. You're very lucky there, yeah. I think I might just be lucky there, but mm-hmm. that is actually what her skill is, mm-hmm. and that is why I work with her because she is so oriented to emotion and is a very empathetic person, and yeah, will pull me up regularly yeah um on the emotional side and so yeah perhaps i i have just been lucky and that's why mm. i'm so like wildly biased um yeah yeah there we go here, here endeth my lecture
1: here endeth the lecture but yeah it's, i think just to sum up it's a difficult thing to learn i think perseverance plays a big part of it and yeah intentional intentional learning is key
0: i'm gonna throw something else in <sighs> You know, when like you get a new job and like when you're in a new job, you learn a new language. Mm -hmm. I feel like a sign of how well you're going to be able to edit is like the breadth of your vocabulary in this world. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Because like every industry has its own vocab and craft has its own vocab. So if you know a lot of craft words, you've probably learned a lot about craft you know mm-hmm. so yeah i don't know just throwing that out there as well for random. some reason
1: the only thing that pops into my head was how when i first started at my old job everyone was like yeah we'll touch base on monday and then i found myself a couple of months and it's like yeah we'll touch base on Monday." And i hated myself it's like what people <laughs> it's just the language that people use and i found myself just like, oh, i fucking hate it what's the return on investment of this opportunity oh, <laughs> anyhow um Information self-editing is hard but achievable uh how are we leveling up our business
0: um
1: i know what i'm doing i'm doing nothing mate yeah. i'm taking a fucking week off i'm gonna rest i'm gonna spend some time with my little boy and i'm gonna love it
0: i am going to get my neck fixed
1: i heard netflix <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'm going to get my neck fixed okay um and I am going to go to a bookstore. Go to a bookstore. Get my nails done. <laughs> so literally, like, I cannot fucking wait to have my nails done. Like, I'm literally it's the first thing I'm going on Monday. I don't, literally don't even give a shit if I have to queue. I'm getting my nails done. I've missed <laughs> it so much. Um oh i want to say something really bold and then i'm really nervous because something will just come in the way and then i won't be able to do it and then i'll get a forfeit that's um, i'm gonna work on the workbook slash finish it oh. i didn't say that i said work on the workbook you said
1: slash finishing
0: slash just work on it because that's all i'm agreeing to okay okay
1: um and yep for people listening answer the question how do you learn to self-edit, or how do you self-edit? Take that, whichever stage no. of the journey you're at. No.
0: How do you learn? Because how do you edit? I think is a different question. How
1: do you learn to self-edit is our question of the week. So yes, hop on over to the Facebook if you're on Patreon. Send us on Patreon, and we will see you guys next week. Bye, Bye. 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 Hungry for more? If you enjoyed
0: this podcast, you can hear more of my angelic accent and Dan's dulcet tones on our other podcasts.
1: For more of me, check out the Great Writers Share podcast.
0: For more of me, listen to the Rebel Author podcast. We'll be back next week holding each other to account as Dan and Sasha become Next Level Authors. What is that sound?
1: Oh, that's my fish tank. Hold on. Thank you for reminding me because long story very short. I have like, to this pull the really filter off. So it pushes the air and makes the water circulate, <laughs> which is the tinkling sound you get.
0: You've literally wasted like 30 Usually seconds Usually picked of my up by is, like, like,
1: ordinary, I am never gonna get this mic. Whereas ordinarily, if I'm recording, what I need back. to do is submerge it so there's still a current, but it doesn't, you know, disturb the surface of the water. Wow, well,
0: Dan, you're so anything. thrilling and interesting to talk to. Like I'm so glad that we're friends. There we go.
1: Oh shit. <laughs> so now the oxygenation of the water may continue um although obviously oh God, it's not as effective still
0: talking? as you
1: really need it to be um particularly quite a quite a deep stop fish tank. like it's not that just wide stop. it's just a very deep fish tank which means that
0: hello you know, achieve oxygen so rests around the top and you need episode... to like <laughs> it's
1: my intro bitch shut up <laughs>